0: Well, good morning and welcome to Hamilton Central Baptist Church this morning. Welcome to uh, those here in the auditorium with us, and for those that are watching in from home or elsewhere around the world. Uh, My name is John Lockley, and Merry Christmas to you all. This week, we're in the third week of our little Christmas mini series. Week one, if you go back, Brian was talking about the reason for the season, and in fact, it's us. Jesus came, and it's all about us being redeemed to him. Last week, uh, Rachel was talking about Mary, the whole human and passionate story of Mary and the struggles and the humanity that's in there and the connection with us that can, that we can draw into with Jesus. And this week, um, we're going to look at a group of unlikely people that are drawn into the story and end up spreading the word of of Christmas. Um, I've called it Spread the Word. It's not Spread the Jam, it's Spread the Word. As we continue our journey and preparation uh, from Christmas, we're in the third week of Advent. And this week we lit the joy candle. Who feels joyous? Who feels tired from just getting Christmas together? You know? I know, I know. But we're going to talk about this joy. We're going to talk about the reason for this joy. We're going to dig deep into what that's all about. Um, for lots of people... That, that joy is associated at Christmas time with um, the social aspect of Christmas. It's a time where we get together with family and friends. We take time to slow down. Eventually, to get together, to eat together. The kids had it right. It's all about eating together, and, and they know. They know it's the chocolate brownie. It's the little red sausages. Yeah. Every time. You have, who has a party and has little red sausages? You can't have it without it. All right. And fairy bread, even at my age, it's the little red sausages and the tomato sauce. Um, where we 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 slow down, we bring families together, we put aside differences, and we gather together and celebrate together. We give gifts to each other, sometimes just little tokens, and sometimes it's the big stuff that gets bought and gifted this time of the year. If the TV advertising has anything to go with, it's really the time where we spend up and buy up large. And, and some of our retailers would have us understand it's actually all about Merry Techmas, not Christmas. But as well as family gift-giving, as a nation and communities, we celebrate together. Christmas parades abound. Who went to the Hamilton Christmas Parade? I was out of town. Yep, so there's thousands of people that gather together. We had one, only one. Good man. Um, we gather together as communities, and we do things. We celebrate together. And if you're watching the T V at the moment, that's broadcast TV for the young people, you know what that is, but it, it tells us that it's not really a Christmas unless we either go to or tune into the Coca Cola Christmas in the Park celebration in Auckland. Now that's a that's a great celebration. Don't let me don't let me turn you off that. Great celebration. People get together, there's music, there's lights, there's it's a just a great time. Well, in our culture, Christmas is a big deal. Families spend lots of time and effort prepping for Christmas, right? In some cases, it's about the same as planning for a wedding that goes on. I've been watching my neighbor for the last three months. (laughs) Three months getting it all together. If you're new to being in charge of planning for Christmas and having the family all come to your place, or or if you're new to the whole Christmas experience, you're new to New Zealand perhaps, and you're new to this tradition. Don't fear, there are lots of people out there who can tell you how to get it right. And there are even websites, right? So you go to this one. 71 things to do to get ready for Christmas. Alright? Alright. So let me here's the test. Are you ready? You didn't know you're doing a test this morning. Ex-school teacher can't help it. Okay, so here's number one. Put up the Christmas decorations. Who's done that? All right, okay. all right keep your hands up. Who started before December? Evil people. <laughs> You're just evil, all right? Like my neighbor three months ago. <laughs> Deck out the tree. Who's got the tree up? All right, put your hands down. Who hasn't got one up yet? Who hasn't got the tree up yet? Me, right? Okay, right, we're just the evil people, all right? Third thing, work out a budget, move on. Uh, check, but here's the good thing, check your current Christmas inventory. We have a drawer in the back of the wardrobe, two drawers full of Christmas presents. And they're still full of Christmas presents because we buy new ones and we forget that we've already <laughs> bought things for people and they're just sitting there. Uh, check the inventory, team. What have you squirreled away? Start present shopping early. Right? who has not started buying presents for Christmas yet? Come on. Front up, little hands like this—they're just going like this. You can't see them. I can see them. They're like, mm. right? Decide who's hosting Christmas. Who's hosting it at your house this year? You got people coming. Decide who's on the list. All right, that's the bit where you mm. draft out the Christmas dinner menu, send out the invitations, look up the recipes, prepare food early when you can, and prepare your holiday calendar to get over it all at the end of that. Actually, it seems mixed in with the joy of Christmas, the joy that we've been singing about, the joy of Christmas is actually just a whole lot of work and frustration. Anyway, we get there. Well, there's another reason to have joy at Christmas. And the reason tracks back to the very first Christmas. We've been singing about it. The kids talked about it. The reason for joy of Christmas is actually a whole lot more than just the joy of being together with family and with friends and giving and receiving gifts from each other Hmm. and watching Christmas in the park. Besides, if your family is anything like mine, the joy of being all together around the table for a day can, can sort of be a bit shallow and actually can be a bit frightening. I love my family. I do. I love them. And you will love yours too. But if you get what I mean, sometimes being all together around the table can just be a bit frightening. And then the joy of the presents can be a bit lame-o too, particularly if you didn't actually get what you wanted. You know, you dropped hints like a ton of bricks and still they didn't get it. Um, Or you're looking there and everybody's handing out the presents and you think, well, that's way better than mine. Or you're giving out the presents and you put a lot of time and effort into choosing something for people in the family and friend group. You actually spent quite a bit of money on it and they go, oh yeah, that's great. And they didn't actually... You know, somehow that gets in there. So the joy bits that we create socially are wonderful, but they're just a pale, pale representation of the real joy of Christmas. The joy we sing about at Christmas in songs like Joy to the World, which we started today with, is actually a much deeper thing. And our story today looks at the reason for this deep, long-lasting And fundamental joy that can be the foundation of our lives. If if you don't, if you don't have that joy welling up in you today, time to just sit back, chill and allow this to flow over you. The joy that we talk about at Christmas is not just for Christmas. It's actually for every other day of the year too. We pick up the Christmas story again, and we saw it in a, in a vid- video at the beginning, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you my the one I like coming up. It's a little bit of a tweak on that. Um, perspective, and it, we're going to get the story from the perspective of your average Joe or average Josephine. It's a bunch of hardworking, and you've seen it, it's a shepherd. It's a hardworking, minimum wage, itinerant workers who are hard at work going about their daily lives, their eat, work, sleep when they can. When Jesus is born, he's born not too far away from where they are. And they receive an invitation to Jesus' birth party. Granted, it's a pretty unique and creative invitation style, but an invitation nonetheless. We pick up the story in chapter 2 of Luke's account of the history of Jesus. Luke recounts uh, that encounter in chapter 2, and I think that first um, that first video that we saw earlier on was a little bit in the Lukean style. Luke, Luke tells it like a scholar and a, and a physician that he is. Uh, his description is clipped to the point, recording the details, not missing anything, but also not letting his emotions get mixed in there too much. He recounts that first encounter with the angel um, like that. He just tells it. It's worth noting, this is the first recorded time when an angel appears to just common people. So common that their names are not even remembered. The angels were sent to those poor, humble, pious, industrious shift workers who were going about their business. But, but, they were available and open to God's intervention in their lives. And as such, they become immersed in an amazing story of God at work. It says this in the Bible. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were... And it gives the word terrified, which we heard. Well, the best description we've got is of this person standing in absolute blinding light. Now, these were everyday folks out in the countryside enjoying unimpeded views of the night sky. And then, boom, Waikato Stadium floodlights come on. And in the center of that is an angelic being. I, I'm, I'm really not sure as I've thought about this, the adjective terrified does this situation justice. They were, they were likely initially afraid for their lives and probably not just standing there and standing still, and probably their bodily functions weren't standing still either. As an opening encounter with an angel, it's a pretty spectacular description. But, but actually, it pales in comparison with the closing sequence of this encounter. It says this. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Luke records it so just succinctly. (laughs) But can you imagine this? Can you imagine being at a concert and you're there as Taylor Swift, for me, Rod Stewart, Metallica, the Rolling Stones, Ed Sheeran, Michael Bublé. The entire New Zealand Symphony Orchestra, the Berlin Philharmonic, all on stage, Bailey's doing the sound mixing, and Rowan's doing, Rowan is doing the visuals up on the big screen, and they're rocking out loud. This is the party of all parties. This is the concert of all concerts. So glad they were out in the countryside, so there's no noise and sound restrictions in the city. The largest, uh, the largest concert we've ever had on the earth is three and a half million people, and it was Rod Stewart. That's why I put him on the list. But this, in comparison, and in comparison to Coca-Cola Christmas in the Park, leaves it all in the dust. And all of these things, when we celebrate together, when we come together, and when we sing our songs, and we sing our praises, and we sing our hymns, they are just tiny reflections that point us in the direction of what it is to understand the coming of Jesus Christ's birth on the planet. And the giving of gifts, it's just a tiny tiniest window into what it is to understand the gift of Jesus. The celebration was in all lights, all sound, all visuals, full-on celebration and party. It was the party of all parties. And it rocked on. And then the angels went back to heaven, where the party continued on. And perhaps it even continues today celebrating the fact that Jesus came. The joy that we have, there are a number of really good reasons for this deep, fundamental joy that we have. And and I think it's really important to try and communicate to people in the 21st century what this means and to understand the significance of that first Christmas and what it means for all Christmases and every day in between. So let's have a look at a few of these. Firstly, the birth of Jesus means the joy of Christmas is for all people. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. The deep underlying joy that was displayed in the angel's party and is promised through Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is meant for you. It says this, But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is good news for everyone. For all peoples on the earth, the language used to describe all the people and you in these sentences are comprehensive. They don't just speak about the shepherds or just about the people in Israel or just the people in the Middle East, they, they indicate a holistic gift to all, to all nations, to all humankind. And the statement of intent, of invitation to receive this joy is not temporary. It wasn't just for that day, it is lasting even to this day. It's a promise, an invitation to all sensible sinners who choose to rejoice at the birth of Jesus and understand just what his birth means to us on earth. Secondly, the birth of Jesus means the one who had been predicted, the Messiah, has arrived. For lots of people, Christmas is just about holidays. It's about eating and presenting to each other. And there's no real connection with the birth of Jesus. And then at another level, people may know that Christmas is about the birth of Jesus, but to them, Jesus is just a religious character, perhaps a great teacher and perhaps a holy man. So the question is, so what does the birth of Jesus actually mean? So looking at verse 10 and 11 again, it says this. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour, Has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus, whose birth we remember on Christmas Day, is the one long talked about and predicted in the Jewish nation. He was the Messiah or or, or the Christ, hence the term, and and Chris brought it out. Christmas. Christmas. Both Brian and Rachel over the last two weeks have already mentioned the writings of Isaiah and Malachi, Malachi. Um, For example, who, who point forward over hundreds and hundreds of years in their writing to the predicting the details of Jesus' birth. The angels announce that this baby, this baby that they'll find, is that one, the predicted one. He is the Messiah. But more than that. The birth of Jesus means that the Son of God, the the ruler over all things, has arrived. Not, Not just a good man, not just a holy man, not just a religious man, but this man. He was the incarnate, living and breathing, fully human Son of God. The Apostle John wrote about this wonderful, divine and human nature of Jesus have you ever thought about this? Jesus, before he was born onto the earth as that little tiny baby, as a Jewish baby, was present in heaven in the character of the Word of God, or the Logos. Logos is what they, theologians call him. John puts it like this. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all humankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Flipping to verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, this baby, born of the Virgin Mary, is fully God, the Word, the Logos of God, gifted to humanity in the fully human historical character of Jesus of Nazareth, who lived in first century Israel, walking, talking, teaching, interacting, And doing miracles amongst the people of that time. He invited them to simply follow him. Come follow me. Come become followers of the way. Jesus is talked about and sung about as Lord of Lords, King of Kings, more powerful than any evil spirit, having control over all creatures. The boss of all angels, the Lord of all people. To be a follower of Jesus means that you're on the winning side no matter what. The apostle Paul wrote about Jesus in his heavenly form before he first, before that first Christmas, and he, he put it like this The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether the thrones or powers or rulers or authorities all things have been created through him and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together do you, do you get the do you get the point of his writing there what is jesus in control of are you sure what's in control of all things he says it about 5 times exactly right so when we when we celebrate the birth of this tiny baby, we celebrate God stepping into the world. He who was in the beginning and through him all things came into being and who has control over all things. Are you worried about something today? Who's worried about finance in, in, in today's world in terms of the economy and all that sort of stuff? Who's, who's worried, worried about your health? Yeah, lots of us are. Do you know what's really cool? Jesus is in charge of all things, and I can go to him with my cares and concerns. The third thing. The birth of Jesus means we can be reconnected in right relationship with God and others. That third word that was in there, in that description of saviour, is, is a beautiful word. But, but here's the point. How do you explain the term spiritual saviour to a non-God-bothered person in the 21st century? The most common use of the word saviour nowadays it seems to be associated with saving the planet. And, and climate change and all of that stuff. It's, it's not really an everyday word that rolls off the tongue in everyday conversation. Have you noticed that? So when you try to talk to people and say, well, Jesus is my saviour. I often wonder, what, what's, what do people make of that? I mean, it's true and it's real, but how do, you, how do you communicate that? The birth of Jesus means that we have someone who can help us become reconnected with God to help us. These are some of the meanings of that. In Jesus, we can forgive people who have hurt us. In Jesus, we can be forgiven for things that we have done to other people. In Jesus, we can have relationships with others repaired. And made whole. In Jesus, we can deal with guilt over things that we know. In the deep of the night, when we when we when no one's around, we know we've done wrong. And He can deal with that. He can deal with feelings of condemnation in Jesus. Jesus, in Jesus, we can change our lives for better. The beautiful imagery in the New Testament about, and in the words are, born again, and it gets used in different ways by different people and ruined. But the message is, we can get a new start. We can change our lives for better. In Jesus, we're told he will walk with us as we go through that change process. Period, as we change and struggle with becoming the best version of ourselves. In Jesus, He walks with us. When we get it wrong and we want to cry, He's there with us. When we get it right and we want to celebrate, He's whooping it up on the sideline. Woo! it. You got it right. For once, you got it right. And I'm going to celebrate with you. He's there to support us in our change when we need to change habits, habits that just control us. He's there to help us conquer addictions, things that we just can't get away from. This term salvation or savior is such a has such rich meaning sitting in behind it. Sometimes if we just use the word salvation, I think for people in the 21st century, they don't get all that nuance. They don't get that. The term that used by the angels, well, it's actually by Luke, this this word, saviour. Well, Luke and Paul use it a lot. They use it 44 times in the New Testament, and actually it doesn't turn up very much other places. They love this word, and and I assume they had really good understandings of it. But these nuances that we can communicate to people of what the reality is, what the meaning is of the fact when we say Jesus was born into our world are all those nuances. The story of Jesus is powerful and effective. I've recently been um, listening to a podcast that's been funded by the Ministry for Culture and Heritage. It's called Te Ropraha Ke Wari. It's the uh, biography of Tamihana, who was his son, talking about uh, the world of Te it's a, it's a new translation of that biography. And at one point in there, uh, Tamihana talks about, uh, through, through history, coming up to uh, Europeans coming into New Zealand and the gospel coming to New Zealand. And he, and he talks about this in terms of te hurihuri, the changing world. It gives a powerful description of the effect of the New Testament coming to New Zealand. How Māori yearned to learn English, to, to read the New Testament. And in their world where it was eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, the concept of forgiveness swept swept the gospel through the nation and thousands came to Christ. I don't think the word savior or salvation was big in the forefront. It probably came later. But just understanding the meaning of Jesus and what he brings. There weren't a whole lot of missionaries running around telling people and doing this. The the word itself, the word, Spoke for itself. Powerful. Well, the shepherds heard all this. And when they had seen him, they went off, as the story says, they spread the word. I love this because I like words. Do you get the double entendre? They spread the word, but Jesus is the word. They spread Jesus. Maybe it's just my head. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child and all who heard it. I love this. It's all tied up in this little word. All who heard it were amazed and what the shepherds said to them. On hearing and seeing with their own eyes that Jesus, who was the Messiah, the Lord and Savior of all peoples on earth had been born, they spread the word. Spread the word. They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. Go tell it. That's the it bit. I love that song. You know that song, Go Tell It? We sang it last week. I got carried away. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it. But here's the thing. When you, in obedience, go tell it, what are you going to say? Are you just going to trot out the word Savior? Or are you going to help people understand the nuance of what this means what it actually means for Jesus to come, be part of our world, and open up a way back to be in, in connection with the Father. Hmm. The shepherds became the first preachers of the good news about Jesus, the gospel we call it. And he went and proclaimed, they went and proclaimed to others, that the Messiah, the Lord of all heaven and earth, and the Savior of all people on the earth had arrived. I figure they used way more words than just those three key words. They explained it. And it says, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. So let me review. And as I do that, can I ask the band to come up? That way I won't talk for too long. Come on up, please. The first Christmas had its own Coca-Cola in the park. It was the greatest rock concert that the world has ever seen, and no one took count of all the people that were there. And that means from this day on, there's no need to do life on your own. We have a way to be reunited with God, with Jesus opening a way to be reconciled to him. We have an open communication line to God, a God who cares and loves us deeply. John 3.16, most people know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. But the one that comes after that, for God did not send Jesus, his son, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I think that's key here. We have great, for these reasons, we have great joy at Christmas. The things we do where we celebrate together and we give gifts are simple pointers to the real joy of Christmas we can be reconciled with God we can be saved we can have forgiveness for sins for wrongs in the past we have the power to live a new and better life we have reconciliation with others forgiveness rebuilding of relationships for those that have hurt us as we sit around the Christmas table with family remember we have reconciliation and ways to rebuild relationships. We have a common adoption into a family like this family where we can do life together. It says, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So, be like a shepherd. Spread the word. Spread the logos concerning Jesus. And those that you clearly communicate all about him will be amazed, I'm sure. Let's pray. Father, as we come to Christmas, thank you so much for the great gift of Jesus and all that that means that we've talked about today. Help us, Lord, to communicate that clearly with others around us. In your name, amen. Amen.